Hello, Kindy fans, and thank you for joining us for this first podcast in a new series where we'll be hearing from young nephrologists and discussing topics pertaining to fellowships and early career training. My name is Sarah Leeds from the American Society of Nephrology, and today I am speaking with two outstanding fellows, Drs. Deva Kinnair and Samira Farouk, to hear their perspectives about the field. Why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Devika, and I just started a third-year nephrology fellowship at Vanderbilt. I'm in the middle of a Master of Science in Clinical Investigation. Hey, everyone. My name is Samira. I'm a new junior faculty at Mount Sinai in New York. I just finished my nephrology and transplant fellowship. Fantastic. So do either of you have a particular area of interest or research within the field of nephrology? My research interests are related to using aspects of social cognitive theory to improve self-care, activation, and health engagement in patients with advanced chronic kidney disease, and I'm really interested in the population as they transition onto dialysis. So for me, a lot of this involves combining qualitative interviews with quantitative patient-reported outcomes. And I'm really interested in using community engagement to try to include more vulnerable populations in my work. I have a great mentor at Vanderbilt, Carrie Cavanaugh, who's been really amazing in guiding me through this process. Wow, that's fascinating. I do have an educational interest in improving trainee communication skills, particularly about difficult conversations with patients. And I also try to stay involved in scholastic writing as much as I can through being a fellow editor of ASN's Kidney News last year and being an editorial intern with AJKD this year. So thank you so much for having both of us on. My interests have kind of evolved over the last several years, um, but I'm currently most interested in translational research in kidney transplant and specifically kidney fibrosis. I'm doing some work in our lab here trying to find genetic determinants of kidney fibrosis and seeing how those genes affect the fibrosis pathway. I also have significant interest in medical education and proud of our project NEFSIM that was just submitted to the ASN Innovation Educational Project Contest. And NEFSIM is a nephrology tool that's designed for both trainees and educators. And it's a website that's mobile friendly that allows trainees to go through cases in an interactive way, go through the introduction, a physical exam, take a look at labs and imaging studies, and ultimately land on a final diagnosis and then read some information about that diagnosis. And so we're really excited about expanding this project and taking on some new fellows and trainees to help us write new cases and really hoping that the whole nephrology and internal medicine community will start to use NEFSIM. Yes, we're really excited about NEFSIM. So thank you for telling us about it. And I want to congratulate you for having it be chosen as one of the winning entries for this year's Innovations in Kidney Education Contest. Now, for those listeners who have never heard of this contest, it is relatively new, having been launched in 2015 in order to stimulate the development of innovative and creative tools to inspire medical students and residents to think about nephrology in new ways. So if anyone has any ideas for next year, we hope you'll send them in. So thank you again for your entry, and thank you both for all the work you do in educating others about nephrology. Thank you. So was there anything in particular that inspired you to pursue nephrology as opposed to a different medical field? So for me, I think a couple things. It really was because I loved internal medicine. That was something I found very quickly in my training. And I felt that nephrology kind of had the most interface with internal medicine. One of my mentors in residency used to call nephrology internal medicine on steroids. And to a large extent, I really Mm -hmm. agree with that. I remember being really impressed by how the nephrologists I worked with could 
seamlessly transition from taking care of a patient in their CKD clinic to seeing someone on the inpatient floor to taking care of someone in a critical care, intensive care setting. Um, I really liked nephrology's interface with transplantation and palliative care. And I liked that, at least from a clinical standpoint, it allows you to potentially have longitudinal relationships with your patients. I loved renal physiology and, again, how applicable it was to general internal medicine. And I think, you know, it's also a little bit of a personality thing. I like that it allows you to be a little bit more detail-oriented, which I like. So I think it was a great combination of a lot of different opportunities and wonderful mentors who really kind of set the stage for me. Um, I think for me, a lot of those reasons also hold true. Um, and I think, you know, I'll admit that I didn't want to be a nephrologist when I was in medical school. I actually really thought I liked cardiology. I did a lot of cardiology research. And even coming into my intern year, I was really looking for cardiologists to do research with. But I kind of quickly realized that, that clinically nephrology was the better fit for me. And even during medical school, I really loved the physiology and pathophysiology. And I had some great mentors in medical school that were nephrologists too. And I think I just didn't really see the full breadth and thought that nephrology was a very limited subspecialty that I soon learned it was not. In residency, I also continued to have great mentors that were nephrologists and continued to fall in love with the physiology, pathophysiology, had a little bit of exposure to transplant at that time. And I think during the time when it came to really choose the specialty, there was really no other option for me than to do nephrology. I think a lot of people do kind of highlight having good mentors. That seems to be something that comes up a lot when I talk with other medical students and residents that show an early interest in nephrology. Almost all of them have identified someone that has been a good mentor to them. I agree. And I've heard that as well from many other fellows that I've spoken with. So, you know, good good education, good mentors, good people who are interested in the same topics that share their passions with other people that really get them interested. So do you feel that there are any misperceptions that medical students and residents have about the field of nephrology? Like, why wouldn't they want to pursue nephrology? Um, yes, I think I was one of those medical students with a big misperception. And so I think <laughs> from my own experience, I really, I think in medical school, it's you're being exposed to so many things and trying to wrap your head around these large specialties and seeing what they mean and seeing where you might fit into them. So I think nephrology sometimes can get a little bit lost and can come off as this complex physiological subject that is kind of branded as the hardest course to get through and you just need to get through that test and you're learning about all these transporters and not really being exposed to the patient interactions, um, Devika, that you spoke about, as well as the many other things that we know as nephrologists that the field really has. And so I think that if students and residents don't take time to, for example, take a nephrology elective, it can be very hard to expose them to what the field really is like. And so I think that the misperceptions are there because of the lack of exposure and the exposure really has to be sought out. And at least in my medical school and the residency program here, it's not required for anyone to do nephrology training or a little bit of an elective. So I think that was one big thing for me. And I think there is also a misconception among medical students and residents that there is this huge focus on only dialysis, which, you know, dialysis is a fascinating subject for us and something that we like and enjoy. And a lot of our patients are on dialysis. But I think for students and residents, especially residents that are having a lot of patients that are on dialysis and really just calling us to arrange inpatient dialysis, 
some of the intellectual topics can be missed and we can be seen as just a service that provides dialysis. And I've had a lot of residents here really tell me after they rotate with us that we thought that all you did was just arrange dialysis. Not true at all. Yeah, I will I will just piggyback on Samira's answer because I think the last thing she said is really important. So I think, and again, I will also put myself in this category because um, this was new to me when I was a med student, but I think even how staff still think of nephrologists as physicians who exclusively care for patients on chronic dialysis, you know, without thinking of the primary care, transplant, and critical care related aspects of nephrology. But I think part of that is not just exposing them to the other things that nephrologists do, but to also kind of demystifying dialysis itself, which is a very important part of what clinical nephrologists do, certainly, but all nephrologists Mm -hmm. in general. Because I think a lot of house staff, including myself, when I was in this position, think of dialysis as sort of like a one-size-fits-all prescription, three times a week formula. And, you know, now as a trainee and budding nephrologist, I know it's so much more nuanced than that. You know, it can drastically alter hemodynamics, electrolyte imbalances, acid-base disturbances. I mean, there's a reason it's called a dialysis prescription. There's really no one-size-fits-all and it's different in the hospital setting and the critical care setting and the outpatient setting. So I think just kind of maybe encouraging an elective that includes outpatient dialysis exposure would help introduce house staff to those nuances to chronic dialysis care. And it would also allow them to meet patients who are doing well and adherent to their dialysis. So I think that would be potentially very helpful. Yeah, I think along those lines, um, whenever we've had students or residents that we've even just taken down to the our inpatient dialysis unit, it's an incredibly eye-opening experience for them. And I I remember even being an intern and resident when I had a patient that would, you know, be whisked away to dialysis. I kind of thought they would just come back with all of their problems fixed, and I really had no idea how it worked. And I think when we take them down there and show them that it is way more complex than it appears to be and that we do prescribe multiple parameters and monitor multiple things, I think even a small exposure like that can be something to kind of start to break some of these misperceptions. For sure. That's such a good point. And speaking of exposure, is there anything that you wish you had additional training in, either curriculum or procedure-wise? I think um, curriculum-wise, I think our program here is pretty rigorous in what we are exposed to and what we see. Um, But the one thing I I wish I had a little bit more training in was dialysis access examination and dealing with those complications. Um, We do have faculty that are well-versed in how to do those examinations and what those complications entail. Um, But I think because that was one area that was not as structured, I think some of us, having completed our training, felt a little bit weak in that area. Yeah, I would agree with what Samira said. Um, I do think that at Vanderbilt, it's been a pretty good, robust, and well-rounded experience in terms of curriculum and procedural training that I've had. But I think kind of related to what I said previously, what I have heard a lot of other fellows desire is kind of more chronic outpatient dialysis longitudinal training and exposure. I know that can be kind of difficult to incorporate into a fellow curriculum, but I think that's something that a lot of fellows do seem to want more training in. Um, A couple other things I would say are, I think preparing fellows for the different types of things that they would face in the real world is important. 
I mean, I'm biased towards academics, but there are other fellows who have different goals. So I think it's important that things like the business side of nephrology, um, things that might be required of someone as a future medical director of a dialysis unit, billing and coding procedures. I think just a couple more lectures on that topic could be good for everybody. And then finally, something that I'm a little bit more biased towards is ways that fellows can kind of improve their communication skills in difficult topics. End-of-life care is one, but there's others too. It's not really something that is a part of medical school curriculum training, and I think it's so important. And improving patient-centered communication skills is very important, not just for people who want to do clinical work, but for people who want to do research as well. So I think that could be an important thing to incorporate into a fellow curriculum. Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts on this. I mean, you bring up some really good points, and we'll relay this to our education department. But (laughs) overall, it sounds like you both work really hard and devote a lot of time to your patients and research. Um, Have you ever experienced burnout or anything else you struggled with while doing your fellowship? And if so, how did you personally handle it? That is a good question. I'm glad that you asked that. I would say for me, I wouldn't necessarily call it burnout, but I do remember in the first couple months of my fellowship, I definitely felt overwhelmed, you know, being in a new environment, being around new people, having high expectations placed on you, and of course, the expectations that you place on yourself. So certainly, it's it's a, it's an overwhelming time when you first start as a brand new first-year fellow in any field, probably. But I do think that because you asked about burnout in particular, it does seem like it's something that a lot of trainees are experiencing and that a lot of people are experiencing even beyond training. And I think it stems from potentially a lot of things, but not feeling connected to your work. So kind of a loss of a sense of purpose and also a loss of a sense of autonomy. Um, So I think figuring out why you are no longer feeling connected to your work whether it's because of increased administrative demands or other life stressors, and trying to work towards regaining that sense of autonomy is really important. And it's obviously an issue that's larger than you, the individual. It's definitely an issue that requires systems-level changes. But I think what you as a person can do is to just let people around you know and to just talk about it. Um, You might not even realize that it's happening. You might not even be able to name what you're feeling. But if you talk about it more and let people know that this is what's going on, you might find that others are experiencing the same thing or have experienced the same thing. That's what I've found, at least. Um, I think it's probably a much more common issue than we realize. That's really insightful, and I think that's probably true in other fields aside from medicine. Pretty much any job or place where you work, (laughs) I think anyone would feel that way, and I think that's great advice. Samira, did you have any thoughts? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think you said everything very eloquently, and I agree with all of those concerns, and I, I think I've definitely seen that with fellows that were in my class, fellows in the class above me, and also as I see new first-year fellows coming in about a month or so into fellowship, starting to see some signs of, you know, just maybe losing a little bit of that feeling of why they're doing the work. And I think, like you mentioned, I think talking about it and addressing it is incredibly important And over the last year, um, our department has really tried to push to put a focus on, you know, the wellness of our fellows. And we've been having monthly meetings where they're not really uh, always organized activities. We have tried a few things like narrative medicine writing and other relaxing activities. But a few of them, we've just had some lunch here and allowed fellows to just be here and 
talk about anything that they're feeling. And um, what they've told us is that of, of all the different wellness activities that we've tried, they feel like that's their favorite one. Because every other time that we, we have lunch or we have something for them, it's usually because there's a lecture or some sort of conference we want them to attend. So they never really have that time to just be here and, and decompress a bit. And so um, and it's also been very interesting to hear from them the things that do cause them stress in their day that are things that we sometimes don't even think about. And for example, there are some scheduling issues with our, our dialysis center that we were able to remedy that they feel like has really changed their experience here. And so I think the first step was really addressing that this is a problem that almost everyone experiences at different degrees. And the second thing was that we can actually do something to help this problem, because I think for a long time, the idea was that this was just part of the training that everyone had to go through and you would get through it and move on. And I think we're learning that it doesn't really have to be that way and we can make this a better experience for everyone. I think what Samira said about having like a safe space for fellows to kind of vent and discuss these issues is very important. Those are some really great ideas. And do you have any other pieces of advice for fellows in nephrology or residents interested in choosing this career path? Um, I think my greatest piece of advice would be to really just talk to people that are at varying levels in their career from senior residents to first year fellows, senior fellows, and then up to the faculty level. And I think that for me, I actually learned a lot about the field from those conversations and just asking people about how they got into the career path that they've gotten into. And starting out as a junior faculty on a research track and having these different types of mentors and to be able to hear their different stories and to hear how they were able to get research funding and get their own lab, or even to talk to those faculty that decided that research wasn't for them and how they pivoted into different types of careers not only tells me what different options there are, but shows me that there are different options. And I think that a lot of times in medicine, we feel like we pick one path and that's the path that we have to stay on. But if you really talk to people that are doing the work and are more senior faculty, that really no one's career path has been like that. And there have been many kind of twists and turns. And um, I think that was something that I found was very helpful for me. And also in choosing kidney transplant as a specialty, um, I really didn't think about transplant when I came into fellowship. And it wasn't until the end of my first year that I started to think about it and starting to talk to some of the transplant nephrologists about what their lifestyle is like, the types of patients that they see, having them bring me into their clinic, because usually a transplant clinic is not a part of the standard curriculum, and then just learning a little bit about how they got to where they are. And I learned that some transplant nephrologists went back to general nephrology and then came back into transplant. And by doing that, I was also exposed to different conferences that I would not have known about, like the Transplant Fellow Symposium, and so I think really just having an open mind and asking questions and hearing what people have to say is really the best way to know what the career path options are and to know that if one's not for you, then there might be another one that is. Yeah, I completely agree. I would say that for residents who are interested in nephrology, making sure that they try to spend time on a nephrology elective, as was mentioned earlier, trying to spend time in an outpatient dialysis unit as well, so you kind of get that exposure uh, is really important. But Again, just as general advice, important things would be to try to seek out mentors, and it doesn't just have to be one person. It could be multiple. They don't necessarily need to be in nephrology, but they may just be involved in research you're interested in or have certain qualities that you admire or may have achieved something that you also hope to achieve. So don't be afraid to introduce yourself to those people and ask lots of questions. Like Samira said, keep an open mind because it's not necessarily a straight path. 
keep your eyes open to any opportunities that come your way and try to say yes to ones that you think could benefit you, even if it might mean, you know, initially a little bit more work or it might mean some inconvenience. I think staying open to opportunities and keeping an open mind and asking lots of questions. That's really interesting and great points. Um, And even though you both seem to have different backgrounds and interests, it seems that communication is extremely important, both with your patients and between colleagues. What about any suggestions for residents interested in a research career? Do you have any other tips for them? So kind of like what we were both saying earlier, identifying good mentors is key. But I would say even before that is trying to find an area that you are just very passionate about because I think if you aren't working in an area that you don't care deeply about, it will show. And it's going to be something that you're going to be spending a lot of time reading and potentially working towards becoming an expert in. So it really should be something that, you know, keeps you up at night, so to speak. And then, of course, the key thing is to try to find a mentor or mentors that you think you can have a respectful and productive relationship with. And again, finding someone who supports you and kind of holds your hand through difficult times and also elevates the work that you do is really key. So finding that area that you are passionate about and really working to develop that research question is really important. And then finding someone that can help you further develop that. Yeah, I would definitely agree with all of that. For me, I when I was looking to find a research mentor, um, I, I definitely didn't have a particular area in mind. I kind of was interested in, in everything, and I just wanted to do something that would be feasible to do. And so I met with multiple different mentors that were doing different types of research, from purely basic research, clinical research, as well as translational. And I was really interested in all of the different topics and all the different scientific approaches and the experimental models that were being used. But I think for me, what it came down to was the mentor that I just kind of clicked with and the one that I felt like would be the best relationship for me going forward. And um, I think that has really paid off for me. And, you know, even though the research really interests me and it's something that I really enjoy, I think at the end of the day, the mentor is is a critical part of the entire research experience. Absolutely. So as young nephrologists, what are some things that you'd like to see change in the field of nephrology? Um, I think as a as a young nephrologist and even as a nephrology fellow, um, I just really want to increase interest from medical students and residents. And I've been trying to do that during my training and in my first few months as junior faculty. And just kind of seeing the responses has been really great, but it would be even better to see this interest kind of organically develop as we kind of go through. And I know that across the country and even across the world, I think everyone is kind of trying to really push this interest in nephrology. And um, I think that's the biggest thing that I would like to see change and, you know, have residents spin urine for their patients on their own and tell us that they already looked at it rather than us having to, you know, drag them to the urine room and show them the microscope that they didn't even know existed. Uh, So I think, I think if we can change that, I think a lot of other things will also change. Yeah, I think that is a great goal. That's definitely something that I think, regardless of what research areas someone is interested in, I think hopefully more people will try to continue to engage younger trainees because that's so, so important. And it's really important in terms of facilitating a good pipeline down the road. But I guess also just in terms of nephrology overall, I think it would be great to see more interdisciplinary collaboration, and that includes not only with other subspecialties within internal medicine, but maybe even specialties outside internal medicine. 
I'm really excited about all the research that's happening across all areas of nephrology, but I would love to see young incoming nephrologists continue to pursue answers to questions that they're really passionate about. And finally, I think it's really great that I'm starting to see this and hope to continue to see this. And that is that patients are involved in kind of all stages of research, starting from very, very early on with focus groups and development and things like that. So I think that's really nice to see in nephrology, and I hope that continues. I completely agree. So is there anything that you are really excited about, especially since you have different backgrounds? I'd be interested to hear your different perspectives. Yeah, I think kind of what I said before is something I'm really excited about. I like that there's a little bit more of a patient voice being represented, whether it's in nephrology journals or national nephrology conferences, or again, in developing new research proposals or also in creating new policy. So that's probably the thing that excites me the most as a fellow who is interested in continuing to engage patients in her research. So that's something that I think is potentially really transformative. Um, I think for me, what's really exciting is the amount of energy that it seems present in the nephrology community to kind of push the field forward in various avenues. Um, like you said, with the with patient involvement, um, but also in medical education, also in trying to find novel cures for diseases that we don't really have great cures for. And my research is in kidney fibrosis, and we're ultimately looking for something that would maybe be able to reverse the fibrosis of the kidney, which would be something that would be remarkable. And just the energy of, of new trainees and those students and residents that are interested in nephrology that, that are coming in with novel ideas and novel questions. And I think for some time, I don't think that that was really palpable, at least when I was in my earlier training, I didn't really feel that. And um, I'm, I'm kind of really starting to see that now. And it's ex it's exciting that I'm at the beginning of my career and there's it feels like there's this kind of big push from ASN and just the entire social media community and I think there are really big things ahead. That makes us very happy. <laughs> so with all this positive energy that you mentioned, what are your thoughts on what makes a successful fellow? I think, you know, definitely think fellowship is a very exciting and challenging time. And I think the biggest tip would be to try to find a teaching moment in every consult. And I think by doing that, it helps to kind of relieve some of the stress. And even if you get a consult that you think is not really worth seeing, or it's a day when you're very stressed out and, and you're haven't gotten enough sleep, I think trying to find teaching moments and to find those moments and share them with your co-fellows and residents and students can make the experience more enjoyable and um, enriching for everyone that's involved. And I think if you kind of have that mental approach, everything else in fellowship will, will kind of fall into place. And um, I think every time I have done that with trainees that I've had, not only does it engage them more, but it kind of gives me more purpose in what I'm doing and can make the day go by a little bit faster. And then as you progress to the more senior fellowship roles, that teaching style will continue to come naturally. And I think by the end of fellowship, you're then ready to be an educator and share everything that you've learned with the rest of the community. I would say probably the same things that make you a successful resident would apply. So kind of just in general, um, trying to remain curious about things and not being afraid to ask questions, even if you're afraid that you might not sound as smart. But again, not being afraid to ask questions, uh, remaining curious is really important. 
practically, I think being organized and kind of getting to work early really helps get through the day. So no one does their best when they're, you know, rushed or stressed out. So I think giving yourself enough time and planning for the day is something that will really help when you are starting out as an early fellow during your clinical time, because that gives you time to take those extra steps, to formulate a plan, to add those teaching points to your notes, to kind of think about things in a more systematic way and not be rushed. And that really helps set you up well to become more clinically independent. So kind of just being okay with getting there a little bit early in fellowship is helpful. And finally, like just practical things like not putting work on others. Uh, I always feel like it's easier to just do work yourself rather than push on that last consult at the end of the day to the next person. Um, Like Samira said, trying to take the extra step to really educate and engage the house staff. I really think that fellows are and should be ambassadors for our field. And oftentimes the perceptions that house staff have about nephrology is formulated based on experiences with fellows. That's certainly how it was for me as a resident. So keeping that in mind when you're stressed or tired is is important and kind of engaging house staff at every step of the way that you can is helpful. One thing that I found helpful in terms of teaching is to try to, and again, this goes back to planning ahead, is trying to kind of come up with these one-page summaries or little bullet points of nephrology-related pearls that you can kind of have on hand such that you can bring them up when you're rounding or when you're going over a consult that is not time intensive. It can happen very easily. It just requires a little bit of extra planning ahead. But I think things like that, like kind of going over pearls, engaging house staff when you can, and trying to be organized with your day and forcing yourself to commit to a plan, even if it could be wrong, are all things that would make a successful fellow. Just going to add to what you said about the, the having the teaching pearls. And one way that I found was very effective to engage with residents as a first year fellow was I found it hard to have prolonged FaceTime with them. Sometimes when I would see them, mm-hmm. it would just be for a few minutes at a time. And so whenever right. we had a consult about a particular topic, I started to write these kind of short summary emails that would sometimes have a review attached to it or some sort of graphic that would help. And so by the end of my first year, I kind of accumulated this kind of archive of emails that were relevant for various topics. And I still actually use those yeah. emails and, and send them to, to house staff or fellows um, that are kind of nice reference points. And I mean, when I'm, each one was time consuming when I made it, but now I kind of have it and can use it whenever I need to. And I think, like you said, it's a great way to engage them and, and teach them something in a easily you know, digestible way, kind of similar to you know, Renal Fellow Network. Right. Well, I think all of us can pretty much uh, take some of that advice to heart. And for me, especially the part about waking up early and planning your day effectively. <laughs> but no, those, that, that's all great advice. And I certainly appreciate you um, taking the time to speak to us today. Thank you both so much for joining me today. And I look forward to seeing what the future of nephrology will bring. And based on our conversation, that future looks very bright. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology, all rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. 
Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology. Thank you.